ladies and gentlemen, the weather gods just tried to kill me. Went towards the dog, and I got pelted with two minutes, two minutes long, but the most intense rain and hail I've ever experienced in my lifetime. So that was fun. In the words of Public Enemies, Chuck D, bring the noise. The Fifth Element Podcast Network. I am Charlie Taylor, and this is What's Good. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you've all had a good week. I've had a very productive week, and I'm actually going to expand on that later in the show. Um, I I I want to basically vent slash announce some stuff, so I'm basically going to do that in the last 10-15 minutes of the pod. Uh, so with that said, there are only three topics for the show today. Uh, because of that, just to make room, and yeah, yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna be, it's gonna be fun. So uh, yeah, I, I literally just got clotted right, uh, like about half an hour ago <laughs> with the dog, and there was this big fat looming cloud just like just just threatening, and I decided to play Ashanti's Rain on Me, uh, because why not? And yeah, literally about twenty minutes later, <laughs> a two minute, in, a two minute, just absolute health hellstorm just came came for me and uh, at the time I was wearing sunglasses because it was actually the sun was actually out so you know logic says that wear sunglasses and yeah I I took them off (laughs) I took them off big quick because they were just uh they were just becoming really terrible goggles uh water goggles uh, swimming goggles sorry and yeah that was just um that was not fun that was not fun and I think my waterproof coat isn't as good as it I don't, I don't, do waterproof coats deteriorate over time? Because I feel like it's letting in more water than it used to. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if that's just. I don't know if that's just. Um, I don't know the amount of rain that just came down, or a genuine concern that I should have. I'm. I'm not really sure. I don't know the technology of a uh, waterproof coats. But anyway, again, for the this. How many times do I talk about the weather for the start of the show? I've done it a lot. <laughs> I don't know why I keep doing it, but I just. It's just always what's on my mind. Like I'll just look at I'll just look out the window and I'm just like, great, winter's coming. Yippee! That's that's kind of why I just wake up to every every day. So uh, that's usually how I feel when I come on here. Just for, feel like talking about the weather. But anyway, formalities before we begin. We have the email. We have the Twitter. Twitter. We have the IG, and we also have the Facebook as well. Hit me up on any of those, and be sure to follow it, all of those, if, you, if you're anyone who you can't follow email, but you know what I mean. And yeah, without further ado, let the beat go drop, and let's get to the show. In a week where Diane Carroll dies at age Katarina Johnson-Thompson wins the World Championship Heptathlon Gold, and also the whole championships has ended now. Um, if I can, if I can rate, it, it, it's funny because this World Championships for athletics was like one of the greatest for competition. Like there were so many events where there were just like one, two, or three people just like constantly in the mix and there were even some events where there were more than that you know some event like a shopper for example men's shopper had like i don't know five people that could have won a medal like could have won a medal it's absolutely stupid the amount of quality so the uh, from it from a athletics and competition standpoint like for pure uh just looking at the you know the um the product uh, the entertainment value it was all there all there one of the greatest championships i've ever seen now on the flip side it was one of the worst hosted championships of all time. It was terrible. Like, if if it weren't for the Kenyans and Ethiopians that were there on work basis, um, I don't want to get into the politics of that, but on a work basis, bro, there'll be no, there'll, there'll be no one there. There would have been nobody there. Like, it, it's just absurd. Like, of all the places, and, you know, I talked about this a couple episodes ago, or, or last week, or two weeks ago, I, I lose track, but... Bro, it's it's not even funny. It's not even funny the amount of uh, just just hoeing out your athletes just because you uh, Qatar gave you some money uh, to to host for them to host it. 
and it was terribly hosted. It was terribly hosted, like just from a just from audience standpoint, it was terrible. But anyway, I continue. Uh, Tyler Perry hope opens the first U.S. film studio owned fully by an African American. The statistics on that place is absolutely stupid. It's like um, twelve sound stages, like three hundred and thirty acres, something like that. And yeah, it's like it's, I think it's, I think they said it was bigger than Warner Brothers. Paramount and and another big studio combined. I think it may have been Disney, but um yeah, it's it's just the size, the absolute size of it is absolutely stupid. So um, big up Tyler Perry. I'm not really uh, I'm not really a fan of his films, pretty much. Um, some of them are just um, just either complete coonery, <laughs> to put it simply, or um, just uh, you know pain, pain, women pain kind of thing. It's 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 a lot to it, and yeah. Um, there's either a lot or nothing to it, and uh, yeah, it's not. It's, uh, I, I'm not really a fan of the films, but boy, if I ain't a boss move, I don't know what it is. It's a big boss move, and I have a question. You'll you'll still buy the sun? Seriously, I, I'm I'm seeing the sun in more headlines recently. Obviously, because uh, things like Ben Stokes, and also I think phone hacking again. Like, what, what, when when are we? Who who's still buying the sun? Let's be real. Who is still buying the sun? If you're still reading the sun, mate. I swear, you need to get you need to get your head tested. You need to get your head tested. Like that's the most. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I could talk all day about the sun, but yeah, bro, the sun. Come on, sun, Daily Mirror, stop it. Just, just stop. Just stop. Stop reading them. Seriously, I, I can't believe they're still able to have this much clout. It's actually mad, and ugh, I can't. I can't really. I can't really fathom. But anyway. We shall get into our first topic of the three. Um, let's start with film and TV because I found I found this quite interesting uh, from a movie standpoint. So, um, basically, the the gist of it is the backstory is that Martin Scorsese from uh, had, had an interview, and I think it was uh, Empire Magazine, right? And he basically took a shit on Marvel movies. You know, he's one of those guys. You know, sort of. You know, you know, all them. Um, what's the, what do you want to call it? Hoity-toity kind of people. You know, was, uh, Marvel, Marvel's crap. Nah, nah, nah. And he, well, I'm going to read clips of the interview anyway. But basically, he said that um, he hasn't seen either any of them or or many of them. And basically, he just says they're terrible or either terrible and just uh, yeah, just judging them basically. And it's just like you know, I've I've kind of I've personally come to this, you know, uh, place where if I don't like something, I at least try and, you know, consume it for a bit, you know, I know The Love Vine is trash, because I watched an episode of it a few years ago, and I was just like, yeah, this ain't for me, <laughs> not for me, Chief, you know what I mean, like, I've listened to Drake, and I don't rate Drake, you know, it, you have to consume the thing that you don't like in order for, to have an opinion on it, I think, I think that's just the, you know, just the... Just, a, just a, you know, the logical way of going about things. If you don't like something on the face of it, sure. But you know, there might, there might be something under the surface that you're, that you're missing. So I just personally think, as a just, you know, a human being kind of thing, if you don't rate something off the, on the face, just dig into it a little bit, and then, uh, and then come to your conclusions. If you, if you, if you want to go through it with bias, then go through it with bias if you want. Um, that's 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 all up to you guys, but at least explore the thing. But anyway, life lessons over. Uh, let's get into what uh, my school says he talks about, and I'm actually, I'm actually going to come into this from also the uh, the responses from also from James Gunn, uh, director of obviously uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, and also Samuel Jackson, just because Samuel Jackson. Um, so this particular one I'm going to read is for by uh, Zach Scharf of IndieWire. Um, James Gunn upset mind score says he's judging Marvel movies without seeing them. And yeah, let's get into it. Mind score says he's recent anti anti Marvel comments have rubbed James Gunn the wrong way. Right, director behind Marvel's, uh, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy franchise took to social media to say he's upset. Scorsese does not consider Marvel Cinematic Universe films to be real cinema. Scorsese called out the Marvel movies in a new interview with Empire Magazine, comparing them to theme parks. Wow, damn. Uh, the comment has not sat well with comic book movie fans. Nor is it getting a complete pass from Gunn. Uh, quote, Maya Scorsese is one of my favourite living filmmakers. Gunn responded on Twitter. I was outraged when people picketed The Last Temptation of Christ without having seen the film. I'm saddened that he's now judging my films in the same way. 
That said, I'll always love Scorsese, be grateful for his contribution to cinema, and can't wait to see The Irishman. Scorsese's full quote to Empire reads, I don't see Marvel movies. Uh, I, I tried, you know, but that's not cinema. Honestly, the closest I can think uh, think of them, as well uh, as well made as they are, with actors doing the best they can under the circumstances, is theme parks. It isn't the cinema of human beings trying to convey emotional psychological experiences to another human being, unquote. Gunners returned to Marvel Cinematic Universe, da 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 Disney totally so yeah, 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 talking about James Gunn's history. So it, it's it's something to that, you know what I mean? It's like okay, he he said he tried. Now what does that what does my question is, what is what does trying mean? Did he like watch I don't know, the Avengers or did he watch like Civil War? Like, did, he, did he watch one, or three, or five? How many did he see, you know? Did he see just a clip, a YouTube clip of one of them, you know what I mean? It, it, obviously, there, there needs to be a... I need to, I need to find a level here. I need to find, like, a middle ground there to actually see where, how, where he's coming from, obviously. But even with that said, to say to call them theme parks and to say they don't explore, you know, emotions, psych- psychology, I mean... You know, from the original material itself, if you really dive into the stuff, which I haven't, but I've, you know, read stuff where they talk about it and break it down for me, um, so I don't have to read them, but, you know, and also, like, um, you know, video essays and that, uh, but for, even from the original material, there are a lot of, there are a lot of things you can sink your teeth into when it comes to, you know, emotions and also um, definitely psychology, you know, if you really think about it, how many superheroes are there that you can think of right just just name a couple on the uh, just name a couple off the top of your head right and just think of all the negative you know stuff that they've gone through right so um black panther dad died uh spider-man uncle died uh uh iron man uh dad he he thought his dad didn't love him and he became permanently damaged because well, nearly <laughs> most of the time permanently damaged because of that. You know, there are a lot of things, and there are a lot of deeper things below them surfaces, you know? It's not, that's, that's just the that's just the bare bones, and I'm just, you know, whipping stuff off the top of my head. But think about the amount of superheroes that you can name. Like Batman, for example, right? Come on. How damaged is that dude? That dude is so damaged. Let's be real. Batman is fucking damaged in the head, like, uh, for, for in terms of some things. It's crazy, so... Yeah, to say that the films don't convey, you know, deeper meaning like that is kind of disingenuous. Um, and, and you know, you can you can say that obviously they pander to the, I guess, eh, not low in common, common denominator, but more, you know, trying to get everyone, trying to trying to gain the masses of mass audiences possible. You know, that's fine. That's, that's just marketing, really, isn't it? You know, they don't they don't have to put all this marquee and money into it. They really don't. Like, you know, people the people that wanna see these films, see, see these Marvel films, wanna see these Marvel films, but they keep trying for the marketing and that's fine. You know, that's just how that's basically capitalism to be honest. You know, look at me, look at me, look at me. Buy this, buy this, buy this, you know, it's fine. I get I get it. You know, it's just how it goes. You know, the Irishman is gonna is kind is dropping soon and I'm see I'm seeing a lot of press for that. So you know, what's what's the what's the difference if if we're being being real? You know, what's the, what's the clean difference there? So let's get into Samuel Jackson's uh, responses because I just um, I I, I just uh, found his uh, response much more fun. Uh, so this one is by uh, Adam White of the Independent. Uh, Samuel Jackson has responded to my Scorsese's criticism. Uh, so by pe- speaking to Variety, Jackson said, "I mean, that's like saying Bugs Bunny ain't funny." Films are films. Everybody doesn't like Scorsese stuff either. We happen to, but not everybody does. Uh, there are a lot of Italian Americans who don't think he should be making films about them like that. Everybody's got an opinion, so I mean, it's okay. Ain't gonna stop nobody from making movies. There you go. That, that's, that's a very, that's a very calm way of putting it. It's <laughs> a very calm and straightforward way of looking at it. Like. There are many. Do you, I'm not an Italian American, obviously, but I, I I do wonder. Do people what will will some people watch The Irishman? Um, well, that's, is that Italian American? 
it's the Irishman, so I guess there's Irish Americans in there, but I don't know. But anyway, so if you if you're being depicted in that kind of film, then you might not like it. You know, you just might not like it. People that watch um, people that are Northern English might not like this is England. Hmm? Have you ever thought of that? Probably not. You know, people from Scotland might not like Train Spotting. You know, this probably this is probably a very minute amount of people. But it's possible, you know. It's not out of the realm of possibility, you know. Uh, African American, well, speaking of Tyler Perry, African Americans might rate Tyler Perry for his business acumen, but his films, mm, 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 bit problematic. Some, 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 are, some are a bit problematic. And I've, I've seen various articles where you know they, they, they where they pop shots him, and I think like Spike Lee's already uh, said like he doesn't really like Tyler Perry films on wax. So, you know. You, you don't have to be... You, you don't have to like it. <laughs> you, even if it represents you, it doesn't... You don't have to like it. People that like comics might not even rate comic book films. You know what I mean? So, this is kind of the conversation... This is kind of the impasse that I think we should all reach. You know, if you like these films, you like these films. If you don't, you don't. Okay? You know, it's, it's really simple as that. There's, there's no point... Um, there's no point in Scorsese having, uh, you know, going going out of his way to shit on Marvel movies like that. It's just, eh, eh. It's not really, it's not really a chief. Um, it actually reminds me of the previous conversation I had a few months ago, obviously during award season last year, where where Netflix and obviously you know Cannes Film Festival and also I guess the Oscars as well. You know, some of the some of the institutions in in film, you know, see Netflix as a bit of a as a bit not of a threat, but I guess as a well, I guess as a threat to threat to norm, you know, threat to the normativity of their of of what they do, you know. Some people see Roma on their phone, and you know, I'm 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 kind of on the fence about that kind of thing. Where, you know, if you if you if you have a well. If we're talking about subscription wars once again, you know, I've obviously talk, I've covered that extensively for the past few weeks, in the past months or so. You know, if you're if you're going to watch a film, the via Apple Plus or uh, Apple TV Plus or Amazon Prime or Netflix, right? You're not going to gain the experience that the film, the filmmaker wants you to get, and that's just it. And and at that point, I guess that's just a something that the filmmaker has to live with. Um, if they put it on Netflix or whatever, it, they might, most people won't see it in the proper light that they really should for a cinematic film. It should be in the cinema. And that's just, you know, it's very, I understand the purest way of looking at things, but I mean, if it gets views, it's get, it gets views. Um, you know, I, you can't, you can't be so cavalier about these things anymore. Um, it's, it's kind of just a thing that you can't, it's really a phenomenon that can't really be stopped. Um, if you want, if you want to make films and put them on, put them in the cinema, good, good for you. I highly support that. But if if you want to slap it on Netflix because it's a, I don't know, it's a low budget film and doesn't have much traction to get a nationwide release or whatever, that's fine as well. Slap it on Netflix, sure, fine as well, fine as well. If you can't do it, you can't do it. If you if you if you go to Netflix in uh, first, then I'll have a bit. Conf- uh, then I have some questions for you. But I get. I'm, I'm gonna just go ahead and say most of the time that probably isn't the case. <sighs> but yeah, I'm, I'm going back to this Scorsese thing. I mean, yeah, he, he doesn't really. You know, he, he can he can shit on if he likes, but I I just think this should just fall on deaf ears to be completely honest. Because um, you know, what maybe one day he'll drop a film on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then everyone go oh right oh so now you've moved on to that one uh, and uh, well god what well, if he did like a superhero film my school says he's superhero film would that even work nah probably wouldn't <laughs> we'll say from that ladies and gentlemen I think Scorsese's firmly uh, off that superhero bandwagon he's not he's not even going to think about trying that stuff <laughs> So we move on to the second topic of our show today, 
And yeah, this is gonna be interesting. Um, this is a very interesting one. So this is sports, but there's a lot of politics in this one. So um, I don't know how to I don't know how to introduce it. So I mean, the the article will probably explain it a lot for you, um, partly because it's literally an explainer piece. But um, just to just to set the scene, I guess for you. Um, so this is uh, so in the NBA. There are obviously the teams themselves, and they have uh, people that they call general managers, right? So the general managers are basically people that uh, run the team from a from a basketball ops kind of thing. So you know they help initiate trades, they try and sign free agents, you know they try and build the team from behind, you know from the, from behind the scenes kind of thing, you know. So that's that's basically what a general manager is. So. Um, just with that terminology sorted for you, um, Daryl Morey, who is the general manager of the Houston Rockets, right? Um, and I'll get into the article really quick, but he did he he, he basically made a tweet um, that supported Hong Kong. And you know, if you've listened to the show, you know we've talked about Hong Kong a few times, and obviously stuff that's going on there. And just to update, it's still going. It's actually escalated since. It's um, there's been some uh, gun sh- gunplay. Um, via via the police there, um, still a lot of vandalism. It's just escalating. So um, yeah, that's just how it's going down there. And uh, Daryl Morey um, showed a little bit. I guess a not you know um, not like a instant support kind of thing. You know when you when you when you uh, when you say like um, how do, how do you word it? How how do you word something? Like, say say like he just he basically shared like a a meme basically. You know, so it's it's not exactly he he might not even be educated in the whole thing. He just saw it and may may have sort of saw a news clip in and just thought, yeah, go on then share. Now, for those that don't know, the NBA is in very 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 tight cahoots with China, and you know a lot of players, uh, especially superstar players, um, James Harden, LeBron James, Kobe. A lot of those, um, uh, Derek Rose as well, you know, they try and sell their gear, their shoes to China and they get a lot of money for it. They, a lot of cash flow comes through China, comes through Chinese eyes, comes through Chinese pockets, okay? Now, as we, if you guys know, obviously, Hong Kong is, the reason why they're protesting is because of China. And that's obviously a very contentious thing. And obviously China is a very authorita- authorita- authoritarian regime, so you can see, you can see as I'm threading this, this is, get, is getting a bit of um, there's some friction here. So let's get into the article itself. Uh, the raging controversy over the NBA, China, and the Hong Kong protests explained. This is by Matthew Iglesias from Vox. On Friday, Daryl Morey, the uh, last last Friday, uh, Daryl Morey, the general manager of the Houston Rockets, tweeted something a bit outside his lane as a sports guy, but fundamentally banal. In is it banal or banal? Ba- I think it's banal. In the context of American opinion, fight for freedom, stand with Hong Kong. Athletes and sports figures have sparked controversies for generations in American politics by wading into political issues. These controversies have only heated up in the Trump era. But Maury turns out to have stepped onto a much bigger landmine. Chinese politics, that's in italics, you know it's important. Chinese politics. Uh, just as the National Basketball Association grows more thirsty to get into the Chinese market. Maury got himself denounced by the Chinese consulate in Houston and by the owner of his team. His tweet was deleted. The Chinese Basketball Association announced that it is suspending all cooperation with the Rockets. Uh, Maury uh, was made to apologise and the NBA put out a statement characterising his tweet as, quote, regrettable, unquote, and clarifying that his support for Hong Kong protesters, quote, does not represent the Rockets or the NBA, unquote. The Rockets are probably considering firing Maury in an effort to appease the Chinese. So an extra wrinkle I just want to add into here. It's so interesting that it's actually the Houston Rockets and not any other team because the Houston Rockets are very, very, very deep into uh, the Chinese uh, Chinese basketball roots uh, simply simply, and mostly because of uh, one of their players from back in the day, Yao Ming, who is one of the more prominent Chinese basketball players of, of, of uh, in basketball history, partly just because of how fucking tall he is. 
Um, you, you, you guys have seen Yao Ming, trust me. You, you guys have definitely seen Yao Ming. Um, he was like, well, I think it was one of like the first memes, if we're really being honest. Um, I forgot what it's called, but um, yeah, he, I thought I swear his face was the inspiration for like one of the first ever memes. Anyway, uh, meme history aside. Anyway, uh, meanwhile, the NBA's eagerness to squash a backlash in China is prompting its own backlash in American politics. Ted Cruz, Beto O'Rourke, and Junior Castro were among those to swiftly denounce the NBA for giving in to Chinese uh, denu- den- denunciations. 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 Great word. I love that word. Denunciations. So uh, on the on the article, uh, obviously I have the link in the description for you. Uh, there is a Ted Cruz tweet, there is a Beryl Rock tweet, and also Gene Castro responding to all of them in a very, very uh, opposing manner. So basically, the NBA is getting pulled by both ends, really. Um, so yeah, we'll get into that a bit in a bit when we finish. Uh, Washington is otherwise consumed with the investigation of Donald Trump's corrupt activities and counter investigations aimed at proving wild conspiracy theories. So the bipartisan nature of this backla- of the backlash is a testament to international conflicts uh, enduring ability to bring people together. But it's also quite broadly illustrative of a much larger issue. Once upon a time, the American people were promised that the integration of China into the global economy would promote freedom and democracy there. That promise has not been borne out. And the Rockets' ownership in the NBA as a league are giving us a vision of the frightening possibility that the reverse will happen and American capitalists' eagerness to please the Chinese government will become a threat to freedom at home. Uh, the story behind all of this, uh, all of this is, th- is that back in 2002, there you go, uh, the Houston Rockets used their number one draft pick to select Chinese player Yao Ming, there you go, seven foot six giant who was uh, also an unusually adept mid-range shooter for a big man of his era. Yao was one that was the first ever foreign player to be success- selected with the number one pick, who hadn't first taken a detour into playing NCAA basketball. And while by 2002 NBA teams were accustomed to drafting players with experience in European basketball leagues, the level of competition in the Chinese Basketball Association was not well understood or well respected. Uh, Yao faced considerable scepticism from record sports fans, and his entry to the league was not without a share of cultural miscues, like a, purport- a promotion for his debut game in Miami where the Heat passed out fortune cookies to the fans, seemingly unaware that fortune cookies are entirely an American invention. <laughs> Yo, I did not know that. That is funny. No, it's not funny. Sorry, that's not funny, but... <laughs> that is problematic. Oh my god, wow, they passed out fortune cookies. Wow, that's terrible. <sighs> Fucking hell, Miami. Anyway, but Yao turned out to be good, and his rocket team routinely made it to the playoffs. Chinese basketball fans followed his career closely, but critically, and somewhat unexpectedly, Chinese Yao fans became Houston Rockets fans. By 2006, the best-selling basketball jersey in China wasn't Yao's, it was Tracy McGrady's. McGrady was an African-American wing player with no connection to China, other than that he played on the same team with Yao. It's typical for wing players to be more popular. No, no, no. Okay, we, we, if you guys know what basketball is, you know what basketball is, right? Let's not, let's not talk about wing players, for fuck's sake, okay? Um, let's just get to the Chinese uh, politics stuff. Okay. Chinese opinion is very different from American opinion. Here we go. Negri. The Weeds, as you... As, uh, shout out to Matthew Iglesias on that. He, he has, they have a podcast called The Weeds, so... Little, little tip of the hat. Uh, one thing you will notice if you compare the anti-Mori statements coming out from the NBA stakeholders to the anti-NBA statements coming out from American politicians, the anti-Mori statements emphasise the idea of giving offence to Chinese basketball fans, while the anti-NBA statements emphasise the idea of bowing to the demands of the Chinese government. These are, of course, in practice somewhat different things. Chinese public opinion exists in a context that is profoundly shaped by government control of television broadcasting, government censorship of the internet, and domestic publishing, and an overall situation in which people with access to outside sources of informa- sources of information know better than to publicly relate an understanding of world events that that's at that's at odds with the government's official line. So any backlash amongst Chinese fans to Maury's tweets would necessarily be a reflection, in large part of the Chinese government's own propaganda efforts. This the, it's the Chinese government that has worked to convince the Chinese public that the Hong Kong protesters are leading a foreign-backed separatist movement rather than standing up for rights they were promised under the terms of Hong Kong's reunification with China. At the same time, by most accounts, grassroots nationalist sentiment in China is authentic and sincerely felt by the Chinese mass public, albeit felt in large as a result of government policy. Consequently, 
American companies eager to march to the tune set by Chinese leadership can always point to the more respectable sounding desire to cater to the views of the of Chinese people and be not necessarily incorrect. That said, this isn't how globalization was supposed to play out. Okay, and the article continues into globalization of China and all that, but um, I'd rather not get into that simply because it's like we're talking we're talking about basketball here as well as well as, um, but. Yeah, this is um, this is a lot. <laughs> this is a lot. This is a lot to tiptoe around. So, uh, if I can put it in layman's terms, I guess, in terms of what all that was about, is kind of um. So obviously you have the NBA saying that you know they they, they need the mo- well they don't need the money but they want Chinese money because it's a lot of money. Don't get it twisted. Like the the amount of money Chinese people put into basketball. Is a lot. It, it really is a lot. Um, I don't have a statue, but just just look it up for yourself. It, it is a lot. So that's the kind of the reason, and that's kind of the reason why the NBA is, I guess, and that's it, isn't it? The terminology bowing down. And I, I, I guess, in a way, um, there was actually an interesting, um, there's an interesting piece uh, via the Atlantic. Shout out to Jamel Hill, actually. Um, I haven't read it fully. But I've seen quotes from it, and also I've seen her on a, on the TV uh, recently uh, doing uh, talking about it, and she gave an interesting, I guess, a wrinkle to all of this, talking about how the NBA, as a as, a, as an organization, is actually very socially aware. You know, they they uh, what was it last year? They what was it this year? Charlotte, Charlotte All Star Game, right? So they had they they had the All Star All Star Weekend in Charlotte, and at the same time there was this uh, bathroom bill. Uh, I think it was like a transgender thing, a transgender bathroom bill, and the NBA literally threw its weight around in the political arena, saying we will move, we will move the All Star Weekend and all the money that comes with that, all the income that and all the tourism that comes with the All Star Weekend. We will move out and and go to a different uh, city or whatever, you know. That that's that, they basically put that threat out there, and so and obviously there's a lot of they they allow their athletes uh, to talk about political issues. Um, if you follow any of them, then you'll know what they then you'll know what I'm talking about. So you know, in terms of American sports leagues, NBA is the "Quote unquote wokest," <laughs> if we're being real, they are they are very socially aware. But when it comes to this, it's kind of it's kind of moving away from that. You know, obviously there is a lot of things going on with China, um, just from a foundational standpoint. Obviously, they're very um, authoritarian. Like the article said, you know, they're very um, they, they they're very influential into the mass public's opinions. It's not exactly hypodermic needle, but it's this kind of hypodermic needle. Um, it, it's, it's, it's not as brainwashy as uh, as North Korea media is, but it's, it's kind of brainwashy. It's kind of brainwashy. So with that said, there's a lot that you can, there's a lot you can say to China and say, oh, China, you do some bad shit. Go fuck yourself, to be honest. Um, what about the... Um, was it? I I don't know. I, I, apologies if I butchered the name, but Uyghur Muslims, Uyghur Muslims. I've I've I forgot how to say it. I forgot the pronunciation. But um, basically, Muslims in China, they're being in, they're in concentration camps right now. They're legit. Are they're in concentration camps right now in China? They're being rounded up and they're being put in concentration camps. Practically in concentration camps, right? You know, the NBA gonna the NBA are gonna happily look up, you know hold their nose to that. They're also gonna hold their hold their nose to that kind of stuff. Why, you know, they're not gonna jump into geopolitics like that. They're an American sports league, you know. So uh, to to say that to, to, for the NBA to have this you know track record of being you know quote unquote woke and to be socially aware, and then someone and then someone of their of their ilk in their uh, ranks, I guess. You know, it was it wasn't even like I said. You know, Daryl Morey didn't. It, I don't think he's really you know the political type. You know, um, I think I, if I if I could, I don't know his motives. I really didn't. I really don't know his motives on that front. But he posted it, and he feels, I guess, 
a type of way of it. It's not. I don't think it's probably passion as passionate as people were making it out to be. But he stated he said he put out a statement like that, and literally the owner of the Rockets said, "Nah, that's him. Nah, in the Rockets, that's him. That's him, bro. <laughs> nah, 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 that, that's it. That's him, bro. That's him." And uh, I think he. I think a lot of reports are going around of lots. Uh, updating reports, you know, swelling around the rocket, saying, um, you know, if, 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 I don't know who are, who asked to fire him, but if they're tempted to fire him, then they might fire him. And what would that say? What would that say about it? You know. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of back and forth here, and I haven't even got into the American uh, side of it, where you know they're just like saying, don't bow down to China, you know. It's easier said than done, but I can I can probably guarantee you that most of them politicians have been hoed out in some way. Well, they've hoed themselves out in some way from maybe not foreign powers, but certainly American powers. You know, oil money, gun money, gun lobbying. You know, they they they, they hoe themselves out as well, so they can't really say that much. Um, but I guess because this is a geopolitical thing and it's from another country flexing their muscles on an American organization, then I guess that's where, you know, they, they feel like they have the right to chime in. But yeah, um, this is a, 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 a mad story, uh, just from one tweet and, uh, you know, they've, they've actually shut down, they were actually supposed to be, uh, basketball games, uh, preseason basketball games in China. Um, I think yesterday or a few days ago, or throughout this week anyway, and now it's probably gone. It's probably gone. So um, we don't know what's going to happen. Um, I I don't really. There are, there are, there are lots of ways that can go about that the, the NBA can go about this. Obviously, they can just say, yeah, you know what, China, go fuck yourself. <laughs> they could, but they probably won't because money, and that literally is kind of the whole thing here. Um, throughout all these American politics, throughout, you know, some dude tweeting, and throughout Chinese authoritarianism flexing their muscles over Hong Kong, over Hong Kong, and for someone that says, you know, free Hong Kong, basically, (laughs) um, all, 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 all the thing behind, everything behind that, the one thing behind all of that is money, it's the dollar dollar bill. So the third and kind of final topic of the uh, show before I just um, get in my get in my bag uh, is uh, uh, well it's film and TV ish but uh, it's more it's more life I guess because um, well I've put <laughs> I've put it more as life <laughs> uh, simply because like uh, I just uh, I just feel like some it, it doesn't really have to be uh, exclusive to film I think this is a this is something that happens in many other arenas, so let's get into it anyway. Uh, this is uh, this is by uh, Lanre Bakari, um, Arts and Culture correspondent by the Guardian, and this is uh, director Uzan uh, Palsi uh, says uh, Hollywood found her ideas too black. So yeah, I I obviously the obviously still. Uh, I think I think it's still is it still Black History Month? I think it's still Black History Month. So I I just thought keep up the uh, you know keep up the uh, trend that I'm going for here, and you know just do at least one that's uh, I guess tied to um, Black History or um, anything like that. So I thought this was good to talk about. Um, so let's get into it. The first Black woman to direct Hollywood film. Didn't know that, did you? Uh, said she was turned down repeatedly for projects because her ideas were, quote, unquote, too black, even after Marlon Brando earned an Oscar nomination for his performance in her film about apartheid, A Dry White Season. Uzan Palsy, whose work is part of Black History Month seasons at the Barbican in London, home of Manchester, uh, broke through the mid-1980s with her film Sugarcane Alley, but stepped away from Hollywood in the 90s after repeated rejections. After winning the Silver Lion at Venice Film Festival in 1983, the Martinique director was courted by Hollywood, when, where in 1989 she made A Dry White Season, an adaptation of Andre Brink's book, but found that other stories with black-led characters were quick, quickly rejected by executives. 
Uh, quote, they were very uh, they were very matter-of-fact. They'd ask, can't the lead be white, she said. I was pitching a story about a black freedom fighter, and they asked me if he could be white. Incredible things like that, Jesus. It wasn't meant to be insulting. For them, it was just normal. They loved my filmmaking and the stories, but eventually they would say, sorry, it's too black. Our marketing department cannot sell it. Posse is regarded in a similar light to Julie Dash, the director of 1992 Sundance Festival hit Daughters of the Dust, as a black female filmmaker who has been overlooked. The Barbican, se- the Barbican's season, who, uh, the Barbican season is called Hidden Figures and focuses on great directors who deserve greater, recon- greater recognition in the UK. Posse said she decided to focus on writing screenplays and helping develop young filmmakers rather than making films herself. When she realised Hollywood wanted diluted versions of her ideas that required white characters to, to secure financing. I couldn't compromise and betray the very reason why I decided to be a filmmaker, she said. People would ask, why did she disappear? Then I explained to them the, uh, the choice I made. They say it's a waste of your talent. I say no. I would have been. I would have hated myself, and I would have been miserable. I may. Uh, I may be crazy, but I can't change how I am. Parsi said she said she had three spiritual mentors who helped her develop her help her develop as a filmmaker. Aim Césaire, and Ma- the Martinique poet and the founder of the Negritude movement, uh, probably in French Negritude, uh, supported her when she came to Paris in her twenties. Francois Truffaut. The French New Wave director encouraged her to make Sugar Cane Alley after reading her screenplay, and Robert Redford acted as an advisor to the young director after seeing her first film and championed her in the US. Robert Redford saw Sugar Cane Alley and he loved it, she said. Uh, he was like a godfather to me. Any problems I had to, ju- I just had to call him. The director said the recent Oscar So White movement and Time's Up were both positive steps to addressing the issues that stymied her Hollywood career. These are values that I stood by for many years. It's taken time, too much time, but it's happening slowly, she said. Palsy said the achievements of Ava DuVernay and Shonda Rhimes, who has a multi-billion dollar deal with Netflix for projects with diverse casts, shows the progress that has been made. For many years, I felt like I was uh, I was by myself talking about these issues of racism and sexism in film. Now I am not alone. So this is a very fascinating just um, person on the face and obviously worth exploring in my mind. Um, but I've, I, I, I really generally think that looking back at that and looking at it now, the progress is just so plain to see now. It really is. It really is just so plain to see. Um, I see, I'm, I'm starting to see people, uh, black filmmakers, uh, directors, actors as well where they have their own, I guess, audience to cater to, if that makes sense. Like, they don't have to try to go to, you know, the the biggest possible, um, you know, money machine or the biggest possible studio and try and do it there. They can do it, they can do it with their people. They can, they can create a team. They can create, you know, their own f- fucking... US uh, major film studio like Tyler Perry, you know, obviously no one's done that, no one is going to do that for a, for a while, um, that just requires a ton of money, but, um, you know, people like uh, Ava DuVernay, uh, aforementioned, who has her own, I think, production company, and is uh, dropping, helping distribute films now, you know, that, 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 that don't, you don't need to watch that, I think it will do, they will do fine on their own, you know, their 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 work is sustainable without having the big people behind it, and that is genuine progress I am seeing. Now, from a from a statistical standpoint, from a diversity standpoint, it's probably a little, it's probably you know a lot of work to do still. But the fact that it's gone from it's gone from where Palsy was at, which I don't think happened should well obviously shouldn't happen, and I don't think it does anymore. I really don't think it does anymore. Now they might come. Now I do still think there are people that will still try and um, undermine talent. Obviously, duh. Of course, there's always going to be people that try and undermine and try and you know try and finesse you out of your talent and try and you know um, make you doubt your own abilities and um, and say that you know you need to fit in this particular mold, but. 
they're increasingly becoming more and more people. Um, it doesn't even have to be of black people, but it could be of, um, you know, Hispanic or Asian or, you know, all of them. It, it, there's more There's more and more just slowly seeping in. And that's good to see. And it's obviously worth, and it's obviously very worthy content as well. It's not even just that, like, you know, it's not like exploitation era where the films are objectively shit. <laughs> it's, it's not like that. The films and the TV shows and the, you know, and the stand-up shows and the, uh, whatever you want to, whatever you want to go for creatively are generally good pieces, are generally good, great pieces of art. And I think that is just a amazing step in the right direction. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I kind of called it a couple of years ago, New American Renaissance. I think it's still happening, still coming. So, uh, yeah, someday I will now set to the world. <laughs> and hopefully there's a British one as well that I can be a part of. Hopefully, hopefully. We, we shall see in due time. <laughs> So we'll come to the final uh, kind of, I guess, segment of the show <laughs> where I'm just going to talk to you guys because um, I feel like I haven't done it in a while. I haven't done it in a while where I just uh, check in on where I'm at and, uh, you know, where, where I'm at professionally. So um, if you listened to Digging the Digits last, uh, last well, a couple of days ago, uh, dropped a couple of days ago, um, episode 27. Um, if you listened to the end of that, I dropped in the outro that uh, a new podcast is dropping podcast number three is dropping um on friday the 11th a day after this particular episode drops and i mean if i i'll, I'll give you details for it um just quickly um i won't give you the name because i like teasing um it's stream up but I, I just like to tease regardless um it's basically a, going to be a uh I'm, I'm, i myself as you know the only person behind the fifth and Vargas network is collaborating with uh, Central Source, which is an American-based, uh, uh, but kind of worldwide, I guess, uh, collective of writers, of music writers, um, featuring obviously uh, featuring my boy uh, Ben from uh, Digging Digits. Uh, he does uh, did some write-ups on there now and again, and yeah, it's a it's a it's a amazing collective of uh, people. Well, of dudes. There are no women in there, which I'm kind of just uh, always I'm always like, dude, you you got some females in it, boy. Some because some good female writers in it, boy. But at the moment, it's all, it's all dudes. Um, and they basically write amazing uh, hip hop journalism. Well, mostly hip hop anyway. Uh, music journalism and content. And uh, I approached their co-founder, Carl Fowler. Shout out to him. Um, he was thinking about doing a pod, and uh, he asked Ben, obviously, because they they were, you know, affiliated uh, already. Already had a firm affiliation there, and they asked if I could help them do it. And obviously I said yes. So um, the show itself is going to be uh, featuring all of them uh, them guys. Uh, they they will host the show by themselves. It's all going to be them. Um, I am going to be there as a executive producer and also an editor of the show. Obviously edit the, uh, edit the episodes like I do with What's Good and Digging Digits. Um, so yeah, most of the time I'll be behind the scenes and you might hear my voice on the outro, but you know, it doesn't really matter because you get to hear my voice on here, that's why this is here, because you can hear my voice, my silky smooth voice. <laughs> so yeah, uh, the, the the new podcast, podcast number three is, I'll call in now, I'll drop the name on Friday, is um, is just uh, and the next step and uh, obviously obviously fits in with um, the Fifth Element ethos, which is, you know, highlighting the fifth film hip hop, which is knowledge, and they basically spend uh, the episode every episode. They're going to take three articles, or well, either written pieces or video pieces um, of genuine music journalism, to and and, and just basically break them down, uh, hail the writer, hail the authors of those pieces of work, and basically just you know just hail good journalism and hail good music journalism and good pieces and good and have good conversations uh off the back of those so uh that's basically what the podcast is all about uh, like a roundtable discussion of uh, of sorts and uh yeah so if you want to listen i'll drop the necessary links be sure that's why i do always you know 
do the formalities and say follow the fifth element because obviously you're going to drop news like this on there exclusively so um if you want to if you're interested and you want to listen um please do listen um and uh, yeah so podcast number three is coming through and that actually brings me to my uh the final thing i want to talk about actually which is kind of just um very personal and just how i think about things um just a i guess a zoom into my psyche of course uh, of 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 sorts not of course um i i i now that i've this is going to be the first week um, and oh yeah, one one other tidbit. So uh, the show is going to drop bi-weekly. It's not weekly, um, so it's going to drop every every fortnight. Um, so obviously the first episode is going to be this week, and then the next episode is in two weeks. So yeah, just to just to keep up on that, uh, just to keep you updated on that. So um, yeah, this is going to be the first week where all three podcasts that I own are going to be <laughs> are going to be released and. Uh, I never would have thought that at the start of the year, you know, it's, it is coming to the end of the years, near the end of 2019, got a few months left, and, you know, it's comes to the point where it comes to, when it comes to fall, fall, when it comes to autumn and winter, it's kind of the time where I just start to think about where I'm at, and from a podcasting perspective, I couldn't be happier, um, I am doing it 100% organically, um, I'm not paying for listens or whatever, you know, obviously I could do better from, from a, you know, social media standpoint, and it's always just a matter, um, it's always uh, something I'm, it's always something I try to put effort in, but, um, it's kind of, it's, it's, to be honest with you, it's not really my steez, um, I don't really have the, 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 the focus for it, to constantly schedule posts and, you know, do that kind of stuff, and, um, it's yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of uh, overwhelming to me sometimes. So I kind of just try not to. Uh, I, well, I don't try not to, but I just uh, I just don't um, uh, plug it as much as I should. But regardless of that, I am proud of where I am at from a podcasting standpoint. The fact that I have three under the Fifth Film Podcast Network name is amazing to me. Um, I wanted to end the year with two, and I did that. But now I've got three, and that's just. That's the slicing on the top of the cake, and this might be the biggest one yet, um, considering uh, Central Source's audience and the and the and the proactivity they have as a group. So this could be something good, and um, I'm I'm happy to see how that will go. Um, but even on that flip side, I do think about just um, you know, there's a lot of you know when I listen to music, right? There's a lot of times where. Um, you know, they they, they 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 constantly, you know, talk about flexing on the haters, you know, and talk about, you know, just haters in general and stuff like that. I guess I'm privileged to to have the fact, that, to know the fact that I don't really have haters per se. You know, I don't really, I don't really have anyone shitting on me like that. Um, uh, which leaves me with sometimes no motivation, if anything. You know, some people, I, I, I'd like to think I thrive off that kind of negativity. Um, but I don't get any of that. And the thing is, is that I don't get anything at all sometimes. And again, the apathy that I get from my people and just everyone in general <laughs> is, you know, probably partly because of me. It's partly because I don't just put in enough effort on the engagement front. I don't, you know... I don't spam people with uh, with with stuff. Um, I share whatever I post, and that's usually it. Um, you know, it, it 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 obviously requires a lot of effort, and um, it's not a matter of I don't have the energy for it or whatever like that. Um, I am focused on a lot of things in the moment. Um, you know, I haven't even mentioned my writing <laughs> at this point. Um, there's still that. There is still that, and uh, and I'm still focusing on that as well. Still a main. It's still a priority for me but I the 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 thing that brings me down um and has brought me down in not recently because recently I've actually felt a lot more productive but in the in the late stages of summer I I felt very um alone in the fact that 
I was posting, I was, you know, I was doing the pods and I was, you know, planning the third podcast as well. And I was also trying to write as well. And, you know, all I get is crickets sometimes. And it feels weird. It it, it feels weird sometimes. You know, it just um, it feels like I'm just shouting in an empty room. And that kind of, it really does irk me. Because I see, you know, I see a lot of, I see a lot of my people, you know, doing their things, and they're happy in their lives, and that's good, and I'm happy for them. Um, but I do, what well, I do sometimes think like, so do you guys support me, or what, 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 you, you, you're just too busy with your own lives to just, you know, like retweet some shit, or, you know, just, um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't share shit for nothing. <laughs> You know what I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't do this for nothing. You know what I mean? And it's not like I, it's not like I crave um, attention or anything like that. It's not like I crave for it or, um, or that I'm begging for it or something like that. You know, it's not. I, I don't think it's like that. If it looks like that, then, I mean, that's a you problem. Um, but it's not what I'm trying to do here. I'm just trying to do my things, and, uh, you know, a little bit of pound the back sometimes goes a long way for me. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of, I get a lot of apathy. I don't get haters, I get crickets instead. And that kind of irks me a bit more, to be honest. I don't know what I'd prefer, you know, I haven't experienced haters yet. So, um, I guess once I gain haters in some in some, in, in an arena... Whether it be Ryan or podcasting or whatever, or just general talking about hip hop, uh, maybe I'll maybe I'll be like, you know what? I preferred when everyone was silent. <laughs> maybe, but at this time, I just sometimes not all the time. I will admit, you know, most of the time I just try and keep it moving. But whenever I post something or you know, this ain't this this, this stuff ain't for this stuff ain't just because I want to do it. You know, obviously that's the the main drive because I want to do it and I enjoy it and I like the fact that I have all this. You know, I do want it to grow at some point. <laughs> you know, and that requires people. That requires support, supporting in some way. Um, I don't ask for money. I don't. I don't you know, um, some people have said like you should do a Patreon or whatever, and I'm like, I don't know what I'd give in return. I don't know why I'd give back in return. I don't really have anything else to give back in return. This is all I have. Like, you know, you get the pod, you know, you, you get my track of the day, you get, you know, a few write-ups now and again when I have the time to do it. You know, and that's it. I'm not I'm not seeking to... I'm not seeking to create, like, a, a financial ecosystem for myself like that, you know, and I don't have anything to... anything else to give. You know, I give everything to the pod. I give everything to my writing... I'd, I'd give everything to everything behind those particular scenes. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of irritating. Um, and I guess, and I know some people, I know a lot of creators feel the same way, and I feel you. And, you know, if you're a creative yourself and you listen to this, and you're probably nodding your head going like, yeah, yeah, mind it, I, I get you completely. You know, I'm not alone in this, it's not just me. But, um, you know, it's, it, can, it can be irritating, just um, the lack of attention um, not, again, not that I'm begging for it, <laughs> not that I'm begging for it, but, you know, at some point, uh, progress can't, progress will come, I know that, and I'm always hopeful of that, and I'm always, you know, um, confident of that fact that it will happen, um, that just one will just explode or something, and, I don't know, and that, and that may be just, they may just be it, it may be just the thing I need, but, um, at the moment, it's just been a lot of uh, just keep doing your things, and that's what I keep telling myself. So, um, if you feel the same way, you know, just shout me up, and we can chat about it. Because um, you know, I'm always willing to lend an ear to anyone who feels the same way, or anyone who feels anything. Because you know, I do ask, I do, I do, you know, tell you guys at the end of the show. Hope you have a good week, and I generally mean that. I do, you know, and I, and I say at the start of the show, hope you all had a good week. Uh, in the, hope you all, all had a good time in the past week. You know, I do generally. You know, care about the people listening to me because, you know, you guys take the time, an hour, or if you listen to Ding Digits as well, two hours, or if you're going to also listen to uh, podcast number three, that's three hours. That's three hours you guys can potentially give to the work I'm doing. And that is valuable to me. 
you know, that is valuable to me. The mo- one of the most valuable things I hold dear to me is time. And lending your time to me to hear me speak um, about hip-hop or whatever I talk about, whether it's what's good or digging digits, or you listen to podcast number three, which is dropping tomorrow as um, at the time of this uh, recording drop. You know, if you do that, then I highly appreciate you. I really do. So um, I just thought I'd say I just thought I'd finish on that. But yeah, the apathy is suffocating sometimes. <laughs> the apathy is suffocating. But you guys, you, 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 this ain't this ain't this ain't this ain't the uh, this this ain't the end. Trust me. It really is only the beginning. There will come a time where there will probably be more podcasts under my network, and at some point. I will get you. At some point, I'll get you, Aurea, uh, if I haven't already. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, this has been what's good. I hope you enjoyed the show. <sighs> Glad I got that out. I feel good. I feel good. It's always good to get that stuff out now and again. But yeah, um, hope you enjoyed the show. Um, if you want to read any of the articles I gave, uh, it's obviously in the description below, and I'll post that. Uh, post the uh, socials, obviously, uh, during while as I as I post the show itself. But anyway. From the Fifth Home Podcast Network, I've been Charlie Taylor, and this has been What's Good. Music, intro music is uh, Too Much by Vanilla. Interlude music is Vista by Poldor. You can find all their music via Bandcamp in the links below. Shout out to Chill Records for the ability to use. You can also find their Bandcamp. They actually recently dropped a, uh, a Chill Hop Essentials. So if you're really into the autumn Chill Hop beats, then that is the ting for you. It's, amazing, uh, it's an amazing uh, seasonal thing that they do. Uh, be sure to hit those up if you feel like listening. Um, and yeah, what, what else is there? I guess uh, that's pretty much it. Hope you all have a good week, ladies and gentlemen. I shall always try and do the same. Podcast number three, drop in tomorrow as of this uh, podcast drop. So get on it. But until the next time for this particular show, <laughs> take it easy, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs>